This is Finding Center, a daily half-hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Reaching Out to Others. Neil LaVon Cox, Associate Dean of Students at BYU, when this devotional address was given, will share his remarks entitled, And They Did Fellowship One with Another. As a preface to my remarks today, I wish to declare my faith and testimony. I know that there is a God in heaven. He is our Heavenly Father, and we are His children. He loves all of His children. He has revealed Himself to the world in these, the latter days, and prophets walk on the earth today as they did anciently. God loved us, so He sent His Son, Christ Jesus, the Atoning One, to show us by the path He trod the one and only way to God. I rejoice with you today in this good news and in this truth. During the past several years, my wife Carol and I have been fortunate to live with you here in Happy Valley. I consider this a great blessing for us and our family. But I have discovered that even in Happy Valley, there are some among us who are not happy and who yearn for recognition and friendship. I find this odd because we live in an environment of relative tranquility and abundance. During an earlier era of peace and plenty described in the Book of Mormon, it was noted that, quote, and they did fellowship one with another and did rejoice one with another and did have great joy, end of quotation. As we fellowship or befriend others, we too can rejoice with them and have great joy. I have seen this outcome in many of your lives, but not all. There are lonely people among us, and today I share your concern for such souls. Perhaps you are among the lonely. Surely there are some of those within your reach who sense the emptiness of feeling alone in the world. Moroni had such feelings when he wrote, I am alone, and I have not friends. But his world was devoid of saints, and in Provo we are surrounded. In 1867, Mark Twain visited New York City and reported the following, New York is a splendid desert, a domed and steepled solitude where a stranger is lonely in the midst of a million of his race. End of quotation. How sad that lonely souls walk the same streets as thousands of other lonely persons, their potential friends. This is contrary to the way God would have us live. He desires that we be no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. Today there are still lonely people in New York City and throughout the world. Listen to a sampling of their voices. I always feel lonely, and I have no friends. I am not important to anyone. I'm forgettable. I'm boring. I am so lonely. Please, just talk to me. Or consider the words of a woman who recently visited a beautiful park. Excited to make new friends that day, she noted, I passed at least 20 adults, some with children, some with dogs on leashes. The dogs appeared to be excited, tails wagging, stopping to take a sniff at anyone who acknowledged them. No one smiles. No one can say hi. And if you try to say hi to them, they turn their heads. Maybe some owners could learn a lesson or two from their furry friends. The park visitor concluded, If we don't extend our hand out to others, 
There won't be anyone to miss us when we're gone. End of quotation. Let me briefly add a personal disclaimer. Today's advice is not intended to encourage anyone to disregard common sense when dealing with others. Certainly there are rare situations which necessitate avoiding people. Scripture warns, quote, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. End of quotation. However, to personally extend this biblical warning unnecessarily to multitudes of well-meaning but lonely people is to forfeit opportunities to bless lives, yours included. Not long ago, a sophomore at BYU found her way to my office. Her demeanor and body language bespoke the sadness that she felt, and she lamented that she had failed to become involved or make many friends during her first year in Provo. I mostly listened as she conducted a personal therapy session with herself and as she concluded saying, I guess I just need to get outside of myself and do something for others. She had made a very wise and absolutely correct diagnosis of the malady from which she was suffering, and I knew I could help. So I immediately walked the young woman to the Student Leadership Office, which houses the programs of the Brigham Young University Student Service Association, or BYUSA, as it is better known. There she was introduced to a genuinely happy and gregarious student volunteer who took her on a tour of the office, explaining the various ways in which students may become involved and serve others. I left knowing that my young friend was in good hands. She was doing what she herself had prescribed. She was getting outside herself and finding ways to serve others. A few days after our visit to the Student Leadership Office, I returned to communicate thanks to the dedicated student volunteer who had fellowshiped my friend. The volunteer said with excitement in her voice, Your friend is here in the office this afternoon. Where? I questioned. Over there, pointing to a spot perhaps 50 feet from where we stood. I quickly made my way to see my once lonely and unhappy friend, but opted to stay out of sight while within range of her voice. My friend had gotten involved, and she was giving a tour of the office to two freshmen. I heard her say, I didn't get involved, but kept to myself during my freshman year, and I regret it. You need to get outside yourself and find ways to serve others. We can help you, she said. Oh, my, this was music to my ears. And when I made my appearance, I observed the smile which had replaced the previously distressed look on the face of my friend. Similar excited and happy looks were observed in the faces of the two visitors. I had just witnessed modern fulfillment of the important Book of Mormon principle, and they did fellowship one with another and did rejoice one with another and did have great joy. Professor Richard J. Light, in his groundbreaking research regarding college students, has observed, quote, Students report that their most powerful memories come from incidents and experiences outside of classes, usually during interactions with other students. End of quote. I would add that campus clubs, YSERV office, student leadership programs, and at BYU are wonderful ways to find service opportunities and thus have positive interactions with other students. If you feel such a need, these programs beckon you. 
please find a way to contribute and get outside yourself. And if you're concerned that involvement may impact adversely your academics, Dr. Light concluded that, on average, students who do volunteer work have slightly higher grades than those who don't. President Thomas S. Monson visited the BYU campus in 2007. That day he observed that, quote, to find real happiness, we must seek for it in a focus outside ourselves. No one has learned the meaning of living until he has surrendered his ego to the service of his fellow man. Service to others is akin to duty, the fulfillment of which brings true joy. End of quotation. I testify that this is true, and I rejoice in the many students who have discovered this emancipating principle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. President Monson that same day also observed, quote, the New Testament teaches that it is impossible to take a right attitude toward Christ without taking an unselfish attitude toward men. End of quotation. President Monson's encouragement and his personal example are echoes of a principle taught in the Book of Mormon. Think of your brethren like unto yourselves and be familiar with all. Sister Cox and I were blessed to be able to serve the people of the Illinois-Chicago Mission. It was a challenging but a beautifully enlarging experience for our family. One of the things about which we felt strongly was the importance of quickly introducing new missionaries to the people of the Windy City. When missionaries first arrived, we did not attempt to insulate them from others. We wanted them to immediately meet people who would profit from knowing about the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our mission. As new missionaries arrived at the O'Hare Airport, it was our practice to board the L train with them for a 45-minute ride into the city. Armed with copies of the Book of Mormon and referral cards, our objective was to provide every missionary a positive experience in sharing the gospel with someone along the way. A few seasoned missionaries accompanied us to provide good role models and mentors for the sincere but yet inexperienced elders and sisters. I loved those days, but I'm not sure that all the new missionaries did. Having been raised by loving mothers and fathers who had taught them to never speak to strangers, it must have seemed odd when we directed them to speak with every stranger they could as they rode the train into the city. Many responded and greeted people while others initially found it difficult to communicate with strangers. I recall one wonderful sister who, upon her arrival, seemed frozen with fear as she contemplated how she might make a positive contact during her first day as a missionary in the field. Unable to muster the significant courage needed to initiate a conversation with others, she observed a group of young people boarding the train. They were touring the city, sharing their Christian beliefs through music. Thanks to other missionaries, there was ample conversation about our faith on the train car, and the members of the Christian youth group were exposed to the Book of Mormon by enthusiastic elders and sisters. There was so much discussion, in fact, that we actually missed our intended stop riding the train until it reached the line's terminus. As this kind group of Christian youth and their pastor exited the train, the young sister missionary was gathering her things, not yet having had a chance to speak about her faith. One of the female members of the departing Christian youth group lagged behind her peers and returned to the train car to ask the determined but somewhat frustrated sister missionary, Could I get a copy of that book? 
The Sister Missionary wasted no time in delivering a copy of the Book of Mormon before briefly bearing her humble testimony of its veracity. I don't think that that sister's feet touched the ground for hours after this positive encounter with a stranger. Her prayers and ours were answered that day. Thinking about this young sister missionary brings back memories of my first few days as a young elder. With no previous language training and serving in Tokyo, Japan, I participated many mornings in a flyer distribution activity at the Nishikoiwa train station. As men hustled to board their train to work early each morning, we politely approached them and offered a small flyer detailing the location of our church and providing a brief spiritual message. As the men passed by rapidly, I learned to say, Dozo, yonde kudasai, or please read this. After a few days of repeating this simple directive, I asked my companion, Elder Kent McKell, if there might be another phrase I could use. He told me to say, Dozo o yomininate kudasai, which means the same thing, please read this, but in higher or honorific language. I proceeded to use the newly discovered expression, but unfortunately I failed to pronounce one of the syllables correctly. Uh, that morning I repeated perhaps 200 times to busy Japanese businessmen, Dozo o yomininate kudasai, or Please marry me. <laughs> yes, we, we do risk failure or embarrassment when we approach others, but it is the right thing to do. <laughs> I'm grateful today for a church member who got outside himself and talked to a stranger. The stranger was my great-great-grandfather, Orville Sutherland Cox. He was relocating from Ohio to Missouri and was not well acquainted with the restored gospel of Jesus Christ when he met Brother Sylvester Hewlett on a dusty road just outside far west Missouri in 1838. Brother Hewlett patiently listened as Mr. Cox harshly criticized the Church based solely on rumors to which he had been exposed. But rather than bristling or walking away, Brother Hewlett invited my ancestor to walk with him into the city and to witness firsthand the industry and the goodness of the Mormons. My ancestor was impressed and quickly recognized the false nature of his previous impressions. <laughs> Learning that Mr. Cox was a newcomer and had no place to stay, Brother Hewlett kindly opened his home to the stranger for an extended period. For me, this adds much personal meaning to the Savior's declaration, I was a stranger and you took me in. That one encounter altered the entire life of my great-great-grandfather and that of his descendants. I am a grateful recipient of Brother Sylvester Hewlett's kind fellowshipping that day so long ago. After some time, Orville Cox was baptized and the two men eventually migrated to Utah and remained faithful Latter-day Saints and best friends to the end of their lives. It's only fitting that Orville Sutherland Cox and Sylvester Hewlett, who met as strangers on a road in Missouri, are buried next to each other in the Pioneer Cemetery at Fairview, Utah. What if Brother Hewlett would have avoided my ancestor that day? It is quite possible that we would not be having this conversation 175 years later. 
All of us look forward to general conference this weekend, and we see genuine interest in others powerfully exemplified in the leaders of our Church. While I am not well acquainted with the brethren and regard myself as a very ordinary but grateful Church member, I have had occasion to personally witness the determined efforts of Church leaders to get outside themselves and recognize others. Years ago, as a missionary, I looked forward to the visit of the then young apostle, Elder Gordon B. Hinckley. He was deeply revered by the Japanese saints and had been highly involved in the growth of the Church in post-World War II Japan. He loved all people, but he had a special affinity for those in this once war-torn nation. Elder Hinckley arrived one evening very, very tired and suffering from jet lag. The following day he faced a rigorous schedule, which included much travel and several teaching opportunities. As he arose very early the next morning, he had every reason to seek privacy as he prepared for the day, but that is not what he chose. Elder Hinckley asked the first missionaries he encountered that morning, Elders Evans and Cox, if they would accompany him into the streets of Tokyo, where he desired to communicate with the good people of that city. Although he spoke a surprising amount of Japanese, he felt that the two missionaries might be of some help in assisting him in communicating with those he would meet that morning. We spent the next hour contacting people on the streets of Tokyo, recognizing them and their individual worth, and informing them of our faith. President Hinckley loved all people, and he sought to serve them throughout his long life. He did not avoid others. On another occasion, I visited the Salt Lake Clinic seeking remedy for a, a knee injury. Uh, when my name was called, I was ushered down a busy hallway by a helpful nurse, and while moving toward our destination, we passed an exam room with an open door. Seated in the exam room, dressed in a hospital gown, was Spencer W. Kimball, who was also receiving medical attention that day. I was shocked to see the Prophet, but inspired when he quickly recognized my presence and waved a kind greeting to a man he had never met but one he seemed to value. Such is the manner in which true disciples of Christ live. You perhaps have noticed, as I have, how prone to warmth and welcoming our university president is. When I visited the campus in the fall of 2007 to be interviewed for a position I was later blessed to assume, I was walking along between the Abraham Smoot Building and the Wilkinson Student Center when President Samuelson, accompanied by a few of his colleagues, greeted me while walking in the opposite direction. He was one of very few people who seemed to recognize me that day. Why did he notice me? He did not know me, and I was not affiliated with the university at the time. He had nothing to gain from his brief but genial exchange with me. He simply cares about others in a manner not unlike the Savior, who issues a sincere greeting and invitation to all mankind. My hands are stretched out still. So why is it so difficult for us to talk to others we don't yet know? Perhaps it's because not everyone returns the same enthusiastic greeting we try to extend. The actions of some bespeak their apparent belief that eye contact has been outlawed in Provo. Others hide behind an electronic shield, a hindrance to potential contact that would enhance their lives and bring blessings to self and others. Too many on our campus 
spend time inspecting the sidewalks rather than looking up to find the potential friends who surround them. Some of us leave behind the strong focus on the welfare of others we practiced as missionaries. This campus should be the warmest and most inviting on earth. You have likely felt both the exhilaration of being recognized as well as the heartache that accompanies being ignored. Let us choose to recognize others on the campus of Brigham Young University. Let us follow the counsel given by outstanding student leaders who, sensing the need I speak of today, produced a brief video in 2008 which is timeless and worth our viewing this morning. There are so many students here. We come from such diverse backgrounds. It can be easy to keep to ourselves. I believe that we can change this part of our campus culture. Everything is new on the first day of school. The teachers, the books, the course materials, the new classmates. I try to start the semester off right by making a new friend and introducing myself. It can be easy to feel lost on this campus. This campus is so big. It's so easy to feel lost and alone. But when someone comes up to you and is kind and introduces themselves and gets to know you, don't you feel so included? It's very easy for all of us just to stay in our comfort zone. It doesn't hurt to make new friends. When I see others sitting alone, I'm reminded of when others included me, and I think, why not get to know them? It's a campus community. It involves each one of us. I know if, if I were in need, I would really appreciate the help of others. The service is simple, but we just have to do it. School's hard sometimes. Things get tough. And it's nice every once in a while when somebody actually notices the hard work that you do. It's just as simple as, as giving somebody an encouraging word. Sometimes you just need to take the headphones out and just reach out to people. We can start by serving each other. We can change the culture. We can redefine service. Stephen R. Covey left us a ringing reminder of the principle I'm attempting to define today when he wrote, quote, Ironically, you'll find that as you care less about what others think of you, you will care more about what others think of themselves and their worlds, including their relationship with you. End of quotation. The world can be a frightening place. Not everyone will heed you. Don't hide yourself away from folks. Put others first. They need you. As others you approach each day, recall the social dearth that swept the earth and hampered souls, but souls have such great worth. Please notice those around you and take time to look and see the precious ones right in your path, your friends they soon may be. Those starving for the human touch that saints should always grant, you'll make the world a better place, so please don't say, I can't. 
Surrender all your ego and put focus on the others who pass you daily on your way, your heavenly kin, your brothers. Remember those who took the time to recognize and greet you? Then pass it on and do your best. Give folks a chance to meet you. The world can be a happier place. More friends you are making, too. Extend yourself and bless a life. It all begins with you. During his earthly ministry, the Savior noted, I know my sheep. Shouldn't we then know each other? This cannot fully occur until we take time for others and recognize both their existence and their worth. Of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, it is written, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. End of quotation. The Savior looked for ways to be with others. Let us not avoid such opportunity. As the hymn advises, let's oft then in kindly toned voices our mutual friendship renew till heart meets with heart and rejoices in friendship that ever is true. The prophet Joseph Smith taught that friendship is one of the grand fundamental principles of Mormonism. Let us better open this campus to fellowshipping so that it may someday also be said of us, and they did fellowship one with another, and they did rejoice one with another, and did have great joy. This is my sincere and humble prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Reaching Out to Others. Neil LaVon Cox gave his talk entitled, And They Did Fellowship One with Another. Speeches on Finding Center are often edited for broadcast. Find links to the full talks and access the rest of our Finding Center episodes on the free BYU Radio app, available wherever you get your apps. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.